My name's David Wild. I'm a filmmaker actor from Scotland. I've got um, Julie Piccino here, who's a photographer, filmmaker, artist, entrepreneur, all those things, you know, and I'm really glad that I've got on my podcast here. So, Julie, thanks very much for doing this. Yeah, like, thanks for having me. It's, it's great to be here. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm good. Um, as I said before, I'm glad that we're doing this in audio because I haven't slept for between nights and I look, I'd probably scared <laughs> you now. So anyway, anyway, so let's get into it. So yeah, look, um, you've, I, I, I've been following your work for the last few years before the NFT started. I think I discovered your work on Instagram um, when you, when you made, I think it was, it was a hard work. I know you get films before that. Yeah, yeah. hard work for sure. That was during the pandemic. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, do you know what I'm a dude? It was probably the poster that's right to me. <laughs> you know, but I saw, I saw, and then I saw your production company, and then I, th I think I saw, if I'm correct, um, I'm not too sure, but I think I saw the way that you were distributing that. Did you, were you going to try and experiment with the distribution on that film? Um, on hard work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. So we had uh, we had sh we had shot it right before the pandemic, and then the pandemic hit, and we we use the time to cut it together. And then it was kind of just like sitting there. We didn't know what to do with it. So um, one of one of my producing partners, Elise, listener, uh, had a contact at Pornhub, like randomly. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so we had them, we, we worked out a deal with them to distribute the short because the, the, the short is not pornographic at all, but yeah, it's yeah, about, I've seen it. I've uh, seen it. It's funny, right? Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. about a production assist, assistant yeah. that works on porn set, so it made sense for us to to partner with them. Yeah, it was a lot yeah. of fun. I think that was the interesting part because I'm always interested in filmmakers that try experiment and do things in a different way. And even if it doesn't work, that you try it and you experiment with it and you don't stick with traditional roots. I think it was the distribution on that as well. So that's interesting. And I saw it and I knew it wasn't a pornographic film. And I thought it's always good to try those things. So what was your <laughs> what was your experience on that? Did it what was the yeah, it was great. Like totally I'm down. Like I just want to share my art with as many people as possible. So um Pornhub like gave us the opportunity to do that. And uh it was it was a whirlwind. Like I got there were a lot of people that like were really pissed off that we did that. <laughs> and there were a lot of people that really loved it. And so yeah. um, I got, I took a couple blows. Like, you know, it's, it's a 10 minute comedy. It's like, yeah, yeah. you saw it. It's very light, like in a yeah. strange way, kind of lighthearted. So, um, but people had strong opinions about it. Um, but, you know, as they say. But that's uh, anyway, good. But that's good as well. That's good as well. Because at yeah. least people are getting opinions about something. It's good to always kind of. You know, kind of um, to do that, it's, or, or it's good. It's almost like when I when you, you hear a, a band has got a track out and it gets banned or something like that, it, then that's good. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, you know, that's great. Yeah. But anyway, so um, that was when I first, I think it, I don't know if it was before that as well, but that was a, probably a couple of two or three. It was maybe three years ago or something, and I just started yeah. following Instagram. So in terms of when you first started, did you start out in photography or did you start out filmmaking and writing? Or was it all together? It was kind of together. I start. I mean, I've been making movies, um, you know, since like, I mean, well, since I was a kid, but professionally, you know, since around 2019 um, right. is when I started. So I've always been a filmmaker professionally, but photography had been a hobby of mine. And then, yeah, over the past few years, photography has also become a profession. Um, and so it's it's really both. I think they serve each other. And whenever I would make my short films, 
I would have a camera with me and often I would, I would photograph the rehearsal process and it was, I kind of always integrated it. So it was, yeah, they, they go hand in hand for sure. Right. So see when you, you, did you start, when you started script writing, was that, did you start to script write and then film the stuff that you were script writing or, or was you, are we trying to get scripts, films made or was it just purely you were making your own films at first? Yeah, I mean, I started, like, I've always been a writer. It's That's, like, kind of, if I were to define myself as anything, um, it, it would be a writer. Like yeah. that, I feel like I'm a writer first. I love creating, coming up with and creating stories. And so uh, I got into the business as a producer, so I really learned the production side of things before I started directing. But all the time I was writing, I was writing these short films I would just kind of need to do that as an outlet and so in around in about 2016 um I shifted gears from producing to directing it was I, I had kind of become burnt out on producing and I decided that I was going to only produce things that I had written that I wanted to direct and so at that point in time I had written like I don't know, like 15 to 20 short films. And I just started picking them one at a time and making them. And um, right. that was in 2016. I've directed like, I've directed like 10, 10 or 11 short films uh, since then. And now I'm prepping to shoot my first feature. That I mean, that's what I always say to people, you know, um, you know, people ask me, you know, young, young filmmakers ask me and they always say, should I go and get a budget or whatever? And I'm the guy that made the mistake. I got my first feature film. You know, it's not a huge budget, but 400,000 back. Wow. It's, it's still today, you know, and I didn't know how to make a film. I just made a promo trailer and I always say it. So and I get no control because of that, because I had no experience. I was a different person. I wasn't strong enough to resist the producers. But what I always say to filmmakers today, go make shots, go make shots, go make, because then you learn, you learn a bit how to shoot. You learn about the timing schedule. You learn how to deal with actors yeah. where you're not burning any money away, anybody's money. Do you know what I mean? So that when you come back, you get a lot, you, you get more it's like Christopher Nolan starting with 7,000, Robert Rodriguez starting with 7,000. They never started with a budget. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, totally. And that's I'm why a I, believer in that yeah. too. I love, I love shorts. And I think, yeah, I agree with you. Like it's directing is a craft in and of itself. And so it's like really important to just to, to learn that by doing it as much as possible. And exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Especially if you're financing your own shorts, which I was doing and, and like, that's that's really how you learn is making is putting everything blood sweat and tears and money into a short and then looking at it and realizing you kind of missed the mark and that's like that's such a great way to learn because you're like shit I need to figure out I need to figure out what went wrong here and learn from it and apply it to the next one so shorts are a good like low stakes way of doing that yeah and burn your own money up I always remain I seen a movie what was that movie with Frank Guerrillo was a sort of he was stuck in a game and he made 300 mistakes and he's going through the game what was it Mel Gibson was in it a few couple oh, of years ago I don't um, know that's interesting though um anyway it reminded me of filmmaking you've got to go out and make all those little shots and those mistakes and get them all wrong and screw everything up and fuck everything up and experiment <laughs> and and then you get oh I think I've got the hang of that yeah exactly before you go for your budget so when did you get into when when was the nft uh, market when was nft when was that on your radar really with nfts uh that came onto my radar in um i want to say it was like march of uh of 2020 and i had just 
shot a bunch of photos at the Madonna Inn Hotel and, and those photos had inspired me to write a screenplay based on on the, the photographs. And so um, I was working on the screenplay and I had all these photos and I shared them with a friend of mine named Will Savas, who at that point in time had been in crypto and NFTs for a while. And right. he told me, listen, like you should really do some research on this whole space. Um, there's there, he, he had, at that point, there weren't a lot of photographers, but he had said that he, he thought that photography was going to be big in the space and that I should research it and, and, you know, check it out. And, um, that there wasn't a lot of stuff that looked like mine. And so I spent a couple months researching it in this, you know, in the winter and in the spring. And then by yeah. summertime, I kind of finally had my head wrapped around what, what exactly the deal was. And, um, and that summer I took those photos that I, had taken that inspired the screenplay and I, I made a collection of a hundred of them um, called I live here now. And I sold them uh, in August of 2021 and, um, and was just like thrust into this amazing community, meeting other artists, meeting incredible collectors who, who felt like my work was really speaking to them. And yeah, I kind of haven't looked back since. So that photography collection and those, I saw the shots and they're very cinematic and they look, they don't look like, um, you no, know, I think some filmmakers say, oh, I'm going to sell stills in the, the movie that I've got. They don't look like still. they look like photography pieces like an art on their own, you know, and that's probably maybe why they sold because it's like, well, even if the movie doesn't get made, this looks like a piece of photography art. Do you know what I mean? That's the way that I've seen it. But I wasn't sure whether you wrote this, you had already had the script or yeah, came, I, I you know, I did at yeah. that point in time, I did have the script and I even had a, an awesome distribution company in Utopia uh, had signed on and like we were moving forward, uh, starting to work on the finance side. And, and I just dropped the collection as a hundred photos as as art. Like it was it wasn't it was meant to just say, hey, I'm making these photos I took inspired a movie. See if you can like find the story in them. And um right you know, plug in and, and join me on this journey as I make my movie. And, and it, it, it just, it did so well that then my, my, my sort of path unfolded in a different way. And I, I realized that I wanted to have NFTs play a, a role in the development and fundraising process of the movie. And so then I went back out, um, I took the script and I actually, shot photos based on the script you know the original right. photos were just based on nothing and then um i then i was able to drop an, another collection a few months later much larger scale where we took the 16 most pivotal scenes in the movie and mm -hmm. i had my friends um you know dress up as the characters and we did sort of like a rehearsal process and i photographed that and was able to reach a much larger audience because the size of the collection was about um, you know, 3,500 pieces. So that, that was like the next step. And, and then once that happened, you know, things really started picking up steam. 35, that must've been fun getting through that 3,500 pieces. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> shot, I shot for like three straight days. I think I had, I think I came away with like 20,000 photos and Jesus. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy narrowing it down. Like the 3,500 photos are comprised of editions. So there were only 22 one of ones. And then there were like some one of twos and then some one of fives and then some one of tens. And so I think ultimately the final number of like 
images that I selected was like 800 and then I, right. I divvied those up and those up into editions. But yeah, it was, I mean, I got, I, 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 I got really sick. Like I worked way, way too hard and didn't get enough sleep. And I actually wound up getting mono and like found myself in the hospital for, for a couple of days. And, um, that like learned a valuable lesson about like working too hard. And, um, and yeah, it was, that was definitely a labor of love, that collection. It's called Keepers of the Inn. Well, that's good and bad that it nearly killed you because that proves his passion there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> it's totally. A, it's a fine line, isn't it? And um, so, did yeah. you try? Did you try and get this made in any conventional ways with finance and the industry before you went? You took this route. I mean, what was the reason for taking this route? Was the reason to keep creative control? Was it the reason because uh, you know a female filmmaker is probably hard to get a film made, or was it because? Uh, um, I mean, both those reasons, uh, what was the, did you try the traditional route as well? Yeah, we were like just starting to try the traditional route and it's a psychological horror film. So like we felt like the market was, was like pretty good for a movie like this, even though yeah. it's a female centric project. Um, but yeah, I mean, I did have some really frustrating conversations like at the beginning of that process with people that were telling me that the the concept was shaky. It's, it deals with an, a woman who's who's um, gotten herself pregnant and she doesn't know what to do about it. And then she goes to this hotel and she kind of loses her mind while she's there. And um, and by the end of it, she's she has had this like rebirth herself. And and you know, there's this like sort of triumph at the end. But I yeah, I had frustrating conversations. People weren't really able to wrap their heads around the concept. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, so a big reason was that creative control, wanting to be able to prove that there was an audience for content like this. And that's that's like what the photos were. The photos were like, hey, I'm going to make a film that looks and feels like these photos. And if you want to be a part of it and you want to help me get it made, uh, buy one. And so I that's that's like really how it all all started. And, and you know, it's great <laughs> to kind of build an audience before I've even shot the film because it's that then I can kind of use it as a, as a, as a way to a barometer to just kind of see what is resonating and what isn't. But that, see, that must be the frustrating thing because when I see those images, right, I see those images and I go, and I hear that pitch, I go, that's the fucking movie. I want to put money in. Do you, do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like the, the days out, you know, in the seventies and the, even the nineties when the nineties were somewhat the seventies and that kind of days gone, you know, when it films are different and interesting and, and that is the re because any movie that's different and interesting, look back in history, usually becomes a fucking hit. You know what I mean? Usually becomes, and it's like, but you, you know, we know the movie business, that's the movie business these days. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, as, as a, you know, as a, it's not that it's a business. We all know it's a business, but it's, um, they still make bad decisions. Because, oh yeah, <laughs> sure. that, that's another whole conversation, anyway. But um, okay, so you, you went, you you raised the money via NFTs for keepers of the end, didn't you? Did you raise all the budget? You know, um, yeah, we raised at the time we had raised the the full budget, and then you know since then the project has attracted a ton of attention, and um, you know, like relatively speaking, uh, and and has gotten some other people interested. And so the, the project sort of grew, like it started off as this like really tiny little indie that I was kind of going to just throw together and, and make like really guerrilla style. And it, and mm -hmm. it kind of it snowballed from there and, and became this much larger thing, which is like, I don't know, it's like, it's sort of a double-edged sword. Like it's in on one, in one hand, it's really awesome and exciting to have like 
a sizable budget for my first feature where I can really sink my teeth in and feel like I have some freedom. Um, and on the other hand, it, you know, it, th that equals like more moving parts. Um, it's, it's caused some delays in our schedule and, you know, um, I've, I've reimagined the location I've, you know, so, yeah. so that has, has led to rewrites, which takes time. So it's sort of slowed things down, but, um, but I'm not, I, I'm not one that is ever in a rush. I love the process. I mm -hmm. am a big believer that things will happen when they're meant to. And so like the unfolding of this has all been really beautiful and the creative just every single day gets stronger and stronger and my vision becomes more and more clear. Um, so it's, it's been, it's been truly a blessing. When you get this film out there, um, do you think this will, are you, are you looking in that way, going back to the industry that this will show people your vision that may attract more budgets for other projects? Are you going to continue NFTs and other, other routes? Or you, you know, are you using this as a sort of calling card to, Put it this way, do you think you'll get more creative freedom if you show this film? Or do you think it'll be if the film does well commercially? You know? Yeah, I mean, I think that the film needs to do well commercially and, um, you know, profit, yeah. make its investors its money back. I, I think that that's like, you know, it's it, at this level, um, it's a business, you know? It's of the course, business. it's all business, yeah. yeah. Right? So, like, my my that's not where my focus is my focus is just making the best possible movie that i can make and Absolutely. um and yeah not pulling any punches it's my first feature really trying to set the tone for all the movies that i'm gonna hopefully make after this and so it's it, th that's that's where my head is at right now but i think ultimately um the goal of course is for the film to have commercial success and then to feed that back into the nft space and yes like build my next project the way that i built this one um i i definitely think that nfts are the future i know that that's a, a lot of people think that they're shady or they're a scam um but when you really boil it down an nft is a digital asset and we're in living in a world that is increasingly yeah. more and more digital so it, <laughs> it um it just makes sense to me and i i believe in it long term and um and so yeah i plan on on making my movies uh within the space as i continue to you know hopefully get the opportunity to make more i think we all, we all know gary v was talking about you know i know you spoke to my podcast gary vaynerchuk um, mm -hmm. and he was saying that 98 percent of nfts are going to dive in last year and a lot of it a lot of it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then but I think we I think most smart people knew that it was like the the, the dot com bubble burst and the long term thing. I mean the way that I see it as we NFTs, I don't look, I was dabbling in it, I was in the fringes, I was watching people like you and sitting experimenting with it and I was kind of dabbling. But the way I see it is very simple. If the blockchain itself can solve a practical problem like ticket touts or if you mm -hmm. get an expensive handbag and you get an nft to verify it's that handbag if the blockchain serves that practical purpose so it exists and it grows then it's always going to be there for creativity as well it's really i think it's done to that isn't it you know that um, totally. yeah that's you know, exactly it I, I exactly and i think um with movies you know it's just like it's just going to take time for things to unfold and for us to really see how it shakes out but absolutely yeah, you know and ticketing is a big thing um and also just connecting with your audience like as the filmmaker 
it giving your audience a chance to like hold a pass that gives them access to directly to you like the yeah. connect the connectivity part of it is really all about eliminating gatekeepers and eliminating middlemen so there it's no wonder why th there's this sort of um i guess i can call it agenda being pushed that's like anti nfts anti crypto even because it, it's decentralized so the agencies the um I don't know whoever whoever has issues with with people having freedom, um, like they're they're gonna they're gonna say negative things about it. And so, well, it's fed by the the media narrative because they they've never wanted the internet to grow. They've never wanted because media has lost right. the power. You know, so I mean, media still got the power. We know that, but they, that's never a good thing for them to control everybody, isn't it? So it's always, but it always amazes me when creators or filmmakers always kind of end up down and stuff like NFTs as well. Because you go, wait a minute, if you're a creative, you want to find a solution to your problem you want to find a solution to cut out all the middlemen and retain control so you i mean i've i've had a lot of filmmakers and people and you know over the last year it says why are you interested in that shit and it's like why can you even say that if you want to be creative you should experiment yeah. with it even just play with it to find it and that's what i did play about with it you know and, and find it but um i've got one question where um i remember in the you know i was in the nft circuit for a little bit and i found it quite difficult because I'd built some supporters over the years in the traditional way, like your Kickstarters and stuff. Um, and I, I kind of found myself drifting from them to get into the NFT area. And I, um, and I felt as if I was kind of leaving those people behind. So I kind of went back the way slightly. And then the, the NFT market kind of went down a bit. But what I was going to ask was, because I had a couple of things one night where some um, filmmakers were talking about they get feedback from the the community about the script yeah. and stuff like you know as a filmmaker right the worst thing that you can have is when you go into a, a room with the with the suits the executives right mm -hmm. and the executives we want this we want this we want to change that it's always the filmmaker's worst nightmare you know it's like um so how do you manage to cope because you've got such a strong vision how do you manage to cope that if you've got a lot of NFT people, do you ever get them sending you stuff with a suggestion for your script, or, or is yeah, that a, I mean, is, is that no go area, or how do you yeah, do that? It is. I mean, that's we. That was part of my. That was sort of part of the utility. It's like by joining this community, you get to be a part of the process and weigh in. Where you know, like if I need feedback, I, I can hit up my community because ultimately I'm making this movie for them. And so, like, what I learned through that process is actually kind of surprising like like people we you me we love the process of making movies and so the idea of getting to see a movie go from photographs to a script to storyboards to you know shooting to post production like that's exciting but but we don't represent like the mass population and so it was really funny because that was one of our utility items that we offered that i was the most excited by but it's not something that people necessarily want to tune into like like so we've had a couple members of our community who who are really interested in that who have been really valuable to me i've had you know talked with them on the phone for hours just like it, it, it's sharing my creative ideas, bouncing ideas off of them. And so like these people kind of function as like extended creative producers and the rest of the community is like, yeah, just like, let us know when there's some, you know, when there's right. entertainment to consume. And that's, <laughs> that's my job though. It's like, I'm yeah. an entertainer. And so I think yeah. we're gearing up for some really exciting stuff. Um, gosh, like probably announcing something next week on Wednesday 
um, that will really hopefully reignite our community and, and deliver the information about the movie in a in an entertaining way as opposed to this like you can tune in here and re watch a reading of the script. I don't I don't really think a lot of people care about that. But if people get invited to this event where they're where where I'm blurring the lines between reality and my movie and you feel like you're a part of this this cult that exists in my movie but also in the real world like that's where I think NFTs and movies can really be this experiential thing where you're ex actually expanding the universe of your IP. And so that's that's what I'm tapping into and I'm really excited about the announcements that we have coming up and I'm really excited about getting the film finished and shot so that way we can continue to unfold those things and really revolutionize the way that stories are told in through movies, through NFTs, and, and, you know, just like marketing, have some fun with the marketing aspect. See, that's what's different about you because um, so many filmmakers would, would freak with so many things. So many filmmakers don't want to connect with community. Just I just want to make my film and I don't want to deal with a business. I don't want to deal with a marketing. I don't want to deal with, you know. Yeah. And, and I've been, hey, I've been, I've been guilty of that in the past. It's only the last few years I've realized that's a big, big, big mistake, you know, um, because everybody else is going to take control if you get somewhere and you probably won't get somewhere with that attitude. But that's what I like about you. And you're, you're, you've got two sides where it's like you've got such a, such a, such a strong vision, but at the same time, you're embracing all this community and feedback. And I mean, um, yeah, the, because the more I talk about my vision, the better, the more crystallized it gets. Like, that, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Why yeah. don't, and, and I'm not, I'm not making a movie by committee. This isn't like choose your own adventure. This is like, you yeah. all want to see me make the best version of this film. So like, yeah, what do you think of this? And ultimately my community trusts me to make the right choice, but exactly, it's, it's exactly. Have a sounding board, you know, an objective audience. Yeah. Really yeah. Good. Yeah. So just briefly, I mean, I don't want to give anything away about your film, but just, uh, you know, I saw a, a, a sort of brief picture, but, um, you know, keep us at the end. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's so it's a it's about an actress who's in her early thirties, and she's an actor, like an indie actress who's kind of like had just enough success to keep going, but kind of hasn't had the big thing, and she's dealing with a lot of trauma surrounding this event that happened to her when she was a little girl, and um, has been told her whole life that she can't get pregnant, and so she's become this sort of mother of her own career. And what happens is she she's seeing this guy and she winds up finding out that she is pregnant. And it's this like real shock to her system. She's she's been told that it's absolutely impossible. But but now she's like pregnant with this thing. And she's at this crossroads where she wants she, she has to decide whether or not she wants to continue pursuing her career or entertain the idea of being a mother. And um in order to like clear her head she goes and checks into this hotel in this remote town and she tries she's sorting through her thoughts and it really becomes this like allegory as she as she realizes that she's got some trauma that that hasn't been fully dealt with and and it really becomes this odyssey um that this character goes into within herself and it kind of the film kind of unfolds and descends into madness but then ultimately gets put back together just in time for the audience to be left feeling hopefully satisfied um yeah it's a wild trip 
So, Joey, if I was an executive, I would throw money at you. So, <laughs> <laughs> do you know? Do you know that way as filmmakers, you just want to, you just want to like, you know, Ben Elon Musk and then fucking some money some other way so you yeah. can throw money. At, do you know what I mean? And just play. Oh, yeah. You know, well, you just want. He's why be a rich filmmaker so that you can just I'm gonna put some money there, I'm gonna put some money there. And it's like uh, but anyway, no, so that sounds sounds brilliant. So in terms of um would if you don't mind me asking, where do you see yourself in the next few years? Are you gonna continue NFTs? Are you gonna continue experiment? Are you gonna try the industry as well? A bit of both or yeah, um, I mean I have I have I have a few feature films written that I'd I wanna make back to back to back, all sort of dealing with um with female trauma and uh you know these are movies that are hopefully universally relatable but uh, movies that i'm really making for women who have dealt with pain which is most women um yeah. and so, yeah. so yeah. i, I want to keep making films i want to keep taking photos um yeah i would like to keep creating within the nft space um but you know so that's where I see myself in a few years. But at the same time, like if you had asked me five years ago where I saw myself, like I wouldn't even know that the word NFT existed. So yeah, yeah. the cool thing about life is it sort of unfolds in, in these in these wild ways and you find yourself um, you know, in a position where you're you're getting just what you need, but it might not have been what you expected. So um we, we shall see. But first and foremost, I need to I need to plow through and uh, and get this film in the can. I think that's a good thing. I remember seeing a, a filmmaker talking years ago that he was saying, if I, I got the original film that I intended, I think I haven't really, I haven't really grown. I haven't really got, you know, it isn't really a good thing. You know, along the, the sort of way, you got these influences that that happen to create something. I think that's a good thing. You know, if heaven's like a blueprint, that's what a Hollywood movie does. It's a blueprint. And, oh, yeah. you know, it's like making a big burger, but it's exactly the way it was in the blueprint because of the executives, you know. I think that's, the you know, so in this type of filmmaking, I think that's a good thing that's constantly evolving this way and trying oh, this way. And, sure. Yeah, you I, know, I, you know. I feel exactly the same way. I think the, I think movies are living, breathing things, and I think it's a collaborative medium. And so, like, for me, a screenplay is a really good roadmap for how I want the thing. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And then I I, I rely on my collaborators to really bring it to life and to help me figure out the best ways to visually represent what I want my movie to feel like. And so as the director, you kind of become that that becomes your job is 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 directing the feeling of the movie and um and and hiring great people to build on your ideas and hiring amazing actors to bring it to life and take it to an even deeper level and make your characters dimensional and relatable. Like I just, I love that. I love the process of working with people. And so I'm, I'm, I know what I want in terms of how I want it to feel, but I'm, I'm never someone that's, you know, absolutely married to a script or a vision. And um, you know, because I, otherwise I would just be a painter. Like I'm, I'm a collaborator. I like working with people together. I'm a, I'm a team player. Well, it's that back to that Stanley Kubrick saying, he said something like, in which I, I can understand, he says, and you only think that's a Kubrick, he said something like, um, I don't know exactly what I want, but I know a thousand percent what I don't want. That means when yeah. you go to, that means when you go to the production designer, you're not going to, you're a bad director if you say, I know exactly how that should look and how that should feel. Right. Because, because then you're going to make them redundant. You know what I mean? You know? Yeah. Um, it, it's like when you're, it's like when I'm taking photos for a, a a brand or something and they're telling me exactly what they want and it's just like 
well, why did you hire me? Then? Exactly. Why do you need me? <laughs> this, you you could work a camera and take the picture, like, but don't you want me to have bring my sort of edge to it? And so I think this was, battle. and I think this was happened today in Hollywood blockbusters. I don't for think sure. they, need, they don't they don't need visionary directors, which is ironic because all those directors that they, they got for the nineties, they need directors that are almost just like captains of a ship. Yep. You know because it's already worked out with the CGI people and everything else. So they don't really need those visionary branded names, you know. Um, and the only place that you're going to get that sort of vision is this new work uh, creating from, you know, which is replicating the 70s and the 90s, which is gone, you know. Yeah. Where filmmakers, you know, your Easy Riders and then the 90s, your Tarantinos came in and your others, you know, that's all kind of disappeared. This is the only hope left of making films experimental and different this way. That's the way I see it anyway, you know. Yeah. But, um, Julie, I'm not going to keep you. I just want to ask one question because I've got to ask because of your father, right? I've got to ask one question. Sure. Are you, are you ever you ever get any plans maybe to work with your father one day? Or, I know he must have been he's such a big influence on you. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, hmm. I, like my dad is, I've learned so, so much from my dad and um, you know, I, I've taken full advantage of being able to just like pick his brain as, as a master of his craft and of, of movies in general. Yeah. Um, of course, like I, sh I should be over there every day asking him questions. There's always more I could learn from him. Um, and yeah, I mean, look like eventually I would, I, it would be my dream to, you know, work with my family, my dad, my brother, my, my sister, like my sister's an actor, an actor. My brother is a technological genius. Who's actually helped me write monologues before about, about the cosmos. Like, and so, you know, I think, I think it would be super fun um, at some point to, for us all to work on on something together for sure um in the in the immediate like my stuff is really like i mentioned like female centric i, I mean in yeah. i live here now there's there are there is only one male character and he's the guy that gets our main character pregnant and he's in his 20s so i love my dad he's got great range i don't think he can play a 20 year old tiktoker but but maybe <laughs> maybe it's worth having him read Hey, 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 the man's uh, iconic, but I don't think so either, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Just one great, I bet your mother, has, has your mother been a big influence in your work as well? I don't know much oh, about absolutely. your mother. She's, she's act, act, an acting, is that right? She was an, an acting teacher, acting. I think. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, acting teacher, for sure. I mean, yeah, both my parents, like, both of them really, the biggest impact they had was just raising me to understand that I, that, that pursuing my arts is a, is a good thing. Like I, I, I was never felt like I was forced to do something that I, that I didn't want to do because it would, you know, like whatever, going to college and getting a degree, like all these things that you think you, you yeah, need to yeah. be successful. My parents were always just very um, supportive of me being an artist. And, and so, yeah, both my mother and my father, like they, they gave me the freedom to do that. Yeah, no, you can have a better influence there, you know. Anyway, Julie, I'm not going to keep you. Thanks very much for doing this. It's been really great talking to you. Um, where can people, um, I'm going to put all the links on the podcast to find your, your sites and stuff like that. But if you want it, where's the where's the main sites? Keep us of the yeah. end. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, websites, like I, the best way to connect is on Twitter, I think. Like yeah. that, I'm the most active on Twitter. 
Um, so yeah, at Julie underscore Pacino, that's the best place to connect. Um, okay, right. Yeah. I'll put I'll put all the links there. And thanks very much for doing this. Really appreciate it. And thanks very very much for everybody that's listening to this podcast. Really appreciate it. Um, and hopefully, I look forward to seeing the film when it comes out. You know. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. Right. Thanks, Julie.